What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It's your host, Edwin. And guys, yes, I am back again for what is it, the second episode of the week? We have a lot to get into and discuss, but yeah, I hope you all are doing really well. I hope you guys are doing the thing that I've been saying the whole time. Every time I get on this podcast, grind, don't stop, keep on working hard, keep on doing your thing, and hopefully success will come your way, giving you guys my motivational skills here. But um, <laughs> um, in regards to what you want to know about my day, it's a nice, cold uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, right now it's almost evening, but um, it's it's getting to the point where I will be appearing, at least tonight, on the NBA pod. I keep on saying NBA pod. It's the pod hosted by my guy, Randall Grimm, uh, for tonight's episode. So make sure you guys tune in for that. If you don't, then I will be hearing from my lawyers, you know, because, but yeah, there's the Wednesday MBS Association pod. Guys, tune in for that. I'm not even sure why I kept on saying basketball. I guess because the MBS was in front of it and it's so similar. I mean, you replace the S with the A and it's basically NBA, <laughs> right? But um, yes, guys, look forward to that. But enough of my spiel. We have a lot to discuss, a lot of interesting news, and a lot of interesting news to get into. So let's get straight into it, finally and finally. But also, if you're wondering what I did today, yes, gym, 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 and more gym. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm a gym junkie because I definitely hate the gym. <laughs> I'm going to say here first, like I despise going to the gym. Maybe not despise, but I don't like going to the gym. But I also do know that it's a bigger purpose ahead of me. And it's a bigger goal ahead of how I feel at the moment. And you guys, every time you think about anything that you don't want to do at that moment, always think about the end result. Always think about the goal at hand. Think about the journey that you have uh, taken on right now and where you're at in life and how you can better yourself. And once again, going back to the motivational skills and the speaking. All right, enough of that. Let's get into it. Oh, so... We're going to head over to the NFC North and discussing the Minnesota Vikings set to hire Kwesi Adolfo Mensah. And if you're wondering why I said it like that, because I am so happy. My guy, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, Danyan, uh, I'm just, I'm going to assume I was looking up uh, where his background is from. I didn't find anything of him, but I know he's from New Jersey. So another big bonus, but. I just know. You, you can just tell. You can just tell when your when your fellow uh, Ghanians are doing big things by the last day. <laughs> oh, man. So I love this move, and I will be rooting heavy for this move because, seriously, man, I am so happy that he got this. A guy formerly a uh, employee of the Cleveland Browns, um, and, you know, when you look at the Vikings right now, he's coming into a, a good situation for me. Like a really, really good situation. When you look at the other teams in the league who need GMs, who need head coaches, I think when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, they are one of the few teams that when you come into that job, you have a lot of pieces there to work with, a lot of talent there to work with. Um, and despite them not making the playoffs last year, I get that. But still, they have talent that you could use for the future, especially especially if you're in the Minnesota Vikings pool right now where they are pretty much a team that has little to no uh, cap uh, salary for next offseason. Like, they are just at the bottom of the league. I believe they're, what, 20, uh, 25th 
No, that's even too high for them. Let me let me double check that, guys. But yes, this team needs help. It needs help in regards to trying to uh, right the wrongs of the former contracts they've given in the past. Uh, the team talent is there, but they need more, obviously, to try and make a bigger push, which shouldn't be an issue. Right now, they rank 29th. Yes, 29th in the league in cap space. So, pretty terrible. Uh, but the good thing about that is, if you're really wondering, their rivals, the Green Bay Packers, are 31st. So, <laughs> barring any other uh, miracle additions, it looks like their rivals are not making the big additions to make a push or bigger push to separate themselves from the pack either. So, it was looking like back-to-back years of uh, being stuck in the same place. So, what does that mean for my guy, Mensa? Mensa, who uh, worked under Cleveland, um, he worked under uh, as vice president for football operations under Andrew Barry. Um, he has a degree in economics uh, from Princeton, a master's from Stanford. And the biggest thing about what I was reading up on was his respect that he has garnered from the NFL and that people around the NFL, he has garnered a lot of respect. He apparently has a nice, highly impressive resume. So once again, if that is a good thing for the Vikings, it should be because going back into last uh, talk about the Giants hiring, you know, John, uh, Joe, I keep saying John, Joe, Sean, Joe, Sean, um, and his background from the Buffalo Bills. You always want to have a guy who has a, a background from a winning organization. Now the Cleveland Browns, not really that big winning organization, but to their credit, in the past two, two, maybe three years max, they have done a good job, in my opinion, of building a roster adequate enough to compete. You just got stumped by Baker Mayfield. But um, that won't happen here in Minnesota because I do believe that Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Uh, they are stuck with him at the moment. So, once again, it's looking like a case of uh, Mensa being or having the the – the the mess that's going to be at his footsteps and that's pretty much how it usually works for any of these new gms and head coaches coming in that's why these guys get fired <laughs> from their team because they couldn't work with the guys they have right there and in most cases these new gm hires are coming in with a uh, 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 impressive resume but also coming in with the idea of trying to right the wrongs of whatever the team has done in the past and the team is finally moving off of Rick Spielman, so that's a good thing. But, you know, whether or not it's a four-year, 12 million contract, so whether or not he can get the job done this season will be uh, seen. I don't think he will because it may be too early. And this team hasn't had a winning record since 2019, which is, you know, not too far off. But still, um, for a team that's used to competing every year in the playoffs, it would be it would help that they would have a winning record uh, the past two seasons, and they haven't done so. So. Vikings eight and nine this year. Um, and you look at that team, the amount of players that they have on that team is exciting to watch. You're talking about Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, uh, Justin Jefferson, those guys right there are building blocks for this team. So they're not void of talent. Actually, that defense line last year was pretty exciting to watch. Uh, definitely top five in the league, top 10 in the league in sacks and pressure rate. We saw that a lot occurring last season. So they have a foundation. They have a defense that could possibly keep them in games. They have a QB and Kirk Cousins who, yes, there has been criticisms in the past on whether or not he can get the job done, the big-time moments. But they have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, who I didn't mention. Offense line needs a little bit more beefing up on. But, you know, go back to 
Christian, uh, not Christian. Um, you know, you go back to their their other first round picks too. They have the ammo to make things happen. So, with that being said, I like the fit uh, for uh, Mensa and the Vikings because one thing is for sure, Vikings for me have one of the best job openings uh, in the all of NFL right now as it stands. Like they really do. You know, you drafted Christian uh, Derisaw. That's a great thing to happen. I'm not too sure about the second round, uh, the the pick, second pick, obviously for Kellerman. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe he could be a future thing, a future QB, a future starter for them. You never know. Um, but also, I do like a gem that they drafted, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. I like how he's been able to at least uh, get on the team. Um, I think he will have a big impact come um, sometime in the future. But the Vi- I love I love the move. I really do. And obviously, I do have a little bias here. I'm going to say that right now because my guy, uh, Dofu Mensah, he is uh, an, of African descent, African background, from New Jersey. And, wow, that, that just it speaks to me because I'm from Ghana and I'm also from New Jersey. So, well, if he can reach those heights, which I know that he's worked hard to do so, then it helps. It gives me confidence that I can do the same thing. But, anyways, guys, that's a great thing for the Vikings. Kudos to them. Moving on to their NFC North rival, the Green Bay Packers. It's reported. That, oh boy, some big issues coming here. That if Rodgers and Devontae Adams were to leave this team, they would enjoy the idea of teaming up, or they're they're enticed by the idea of teaming up in Denver. Wow, could you believe that? Uh, a, a QB room of Pat Mahomes, of Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr? That's the best QB room in the NFL. Like, that's not right there. That, that is the best division for QBs if that were to happen in the NFL. Best by far. But let's look at how the fit matches, okay? Aaron Rodgers, star QB, uh, a guy who is pretty much over the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I, I get he came back. He has pretty much right now three options. He either retires, he comes back to the Green Bay Packers, or he asks for a trade. So the only way this happens is if he asks for a trade to Denver which is very possible, um, but you never know what could happen. And also in regards to Devontae Adams, he is a wild card for me because they could say to him, well, we don't want you to leave, so we're going to franchise tag you. It's very much possible. So whether or not he wants to leave or not, that is ultimately up to the team. But as it stands right now, he is a free agent, so he will be hitting the market. But we look at the whole entire fit that could possibly happen for this team, Denver Broncos. I mean, the, just the idea of the news coming out is exciting to hear about for Denver Broncos fans. It really is. Imagine having Aaron Rodgers as a QB and going through the year that you had this year with mediocre QB play from Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, who, by the way, didn't play too bad, but didn't play enough to make a, a significant push for the playoffs this year. All right. You have two stud running backs in Devontae Williams, Devontae Williams and Melvin Gordon. Pretty good. You know, I, I, I expect them to both be there next year. And on top of that, offense line may uh, need some work, but it's solid enough. I think that that's, that would be probably the biggest uh, spot that they attack this offseason to make sure that Aaron Rodgers is upright. Okay. And also, the receiving core is phenomenal to me. It's young and phenomenal. Young comes first because Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy are some young, fantastic receivers. 
Tim Patrick as a tight end, North Fent as a tight end, young, fantastic tight end. And now you add Devontae Adams. I mean, you can never have too many receivers. Like, let's let's count that out right now. I, I know that one of these receivers or pretty much every receiver on that team's uh, receptions and targets per game were, will suffer a lot with Devontae Adams being on that team. But you look at the Bengals, they made it work. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Talibor, they made it work a lot. C.J. Uzama making big plays here and there. Joe Mixon has a stud back there. So it's, it's very possible. It is very possible. And you can look exactly how the levels would be elevated from what they were last year. Uh, good, not even a good, uh, average team, uh, says the record at least, to being one of the best teams to contend for the Super Bowl uh, next season, if that were to happen, obviously. Uh, but I love the move. And also, another wild card to this whole puzzle. Nathaniel Hackett, Packers OC, is a top target for the Denver Broncos in uh, the quest for a new head coach. So if he goes to Denver, imagine the the respect, imagine the kind of connection that would be garnered from him uh, regarding Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to now say, we want to go to Denver to follow you, not necessarily follow you, but team up over there and make this thing work because we feel like as a whole that we have outgrown the Packers the Packers organization. Wisconsin is not it anymore. And I mean, not really the biggest uh, drop-off considering that you're going to Maha City, but still a little bit better. Um, And also, Nathaniel Hackett, I think he will be a good head coach because he's been in a good system. Not all the times that's guaranteed, obviously, but for me, I just believe that he has the tools and the scheme that's necessary to make things happen and to build a winning organization, especially since he's been under Matt LaFleur for some time now. So we'll see how that goes. But that would be a nice wild card to have. Um, as you guys have, no- have uh, noticed, the Packers are out of the playoffs this year. They got bounced out by the 49ers. So they have some work to do. But it all comes down to me for is Aaron Rodgers staying or is he going? Because I know he's not retiring. I mean, it, it's a long shot for me. But if he does retire, he does. The biggest thing is, does he ask for a trade right now? Like, does he weigh in his options, ask for a trade? Let's see what happens. But also, does that play a role into where Devontae Adams goes? Obviously, with these reports, it's possible, really, really possible. But it, I just thought it was really exciting to talk about that and to see what will happen in the future. You never know. But Denver, if that happens, whoo-wee, you're looking up. It's looking up. It's looking up. All right, guys. Let's get in to some um, OT rules because if you just think and imagine what it would have been like for that game regarding the Chiefs and the Bills if Josh Allen had one more shot in OT or had uh, had a shot, period, in OT to make things happen and to possibly win the game for his team, you know. So reading on this article, now I'm reading this article about possibly – OT rules being changed. And that's also another rumor too as well. So I, I love that. I love the idea of OT rules possibly being changed or the consideration of it possibly being changed because I think we need a new start. I really do. I think it's not really that fair. It hasn't been fair for me. Obviously, you can't change rules now. So whatever happens, happens. But, you know, uh, I think that giving offensive players or the other team's offensive players a chance to go out regardless if their defense uh, doesn't do it for one stop 
I mean, for one series, it says a lot and would help the whole entire competitiveness for the NFL teams around. Now, reading this article on Bleacher Report from my guy Maurice Moten, um, shout out to my guy Moten, gave this whole article regarding different scenarios on how OT rules can be changed and what may be the best fit. Now, I'm going to go through all these because I think all these are kind of interesting. But as we dissect each one, I'll tell you guys which one is my favorite, which one I hate, and, you know, which one is like, it maybe could work if it's tweaked, but you never know. All right. Starting off with the first one I read, uh, basically college rules. College rules, but this one is referring to starting at the 25-yard line. So at the opponent's 25-yard line. Okay. You guys, if you watch an NCAA college football rules and OT, uh, you pretty much know that it's basically um, you get the coin toss, uh, winner chooses to receive the ball or to play defense, whatever they want to do first, and then each team will have a chance to score a touchdown. Uh, and then obviously after that, in the second period of extra time, it goes to two point conversions. So uh, that could be a big thing. That could be wor- it, it could work. It really could work for this team. Um, I mean, for the NFL teams around, because you look at the way offenses are now getting more creative when it comes to scoring touchdowns, when it comes to trying to keep the defenses on their toes. I love the how how creative these guys are, these OCs are nowadays, and it, it provides a lot more excitement for the fans, a lot more nerve wrecking <laughs> uh, for the fans. But it's a nice way. It's the, possibly the the safest solution out of all these, if we're being honest here. You know, going back into, um, you know, the college football rules, if you watch uh, that game, Illinois against um, Penn State, back and forth action, back and forth. The home crowd is just like, what is going to happen here? Can our team get a, a two-point conversion? Can our team score? And you just keep on going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Sudden death. I love it. I really do. Because it comes down to who makes the first mistake. If whoever does that, then – you know, that'll pretty much say who will win the game. But also, who makes the first mistake or who makes the first big play? That's it right there. I, mean, I guess it both coincides, but I love that. I think that would be the more likeliest solution for NFL rules to be changed to uh, college OT rules. But we'll see what happens. All right. Now, this one here says NFL rules, just like OT, just like other sports, uh, pretty much run a full-time period and final score stands. Now, I don't like this rule at all. I think this is probably the one of the worst uh, suggestions ever, to be honest, because these these teams, these players, play 60 minutes of contact football, and you're asking them to go out again for another full 15 minutes and to bang bodies and to hit each other and to run around the field for another full 15 minutes. That's too much. That's too much. There's a reason why NFL playoffs is one game. Basketball is four games, you know. MLB, multiple games. Yeah, soccer, uh, maybe in some cases, but you know, two legs, pretty much, because they run around, run around, they run around the field too as well. But to say these players have to go out again and to bang bodies, that's too much. That's too much. That is too much. Now, I, I don't like that at all. You know, for one, it's about player safety for me. Two, I wouldn't want a player to uh, an important player. I mean, all these players are important, but you know, the big name players, let's say for instance, Justin Herbert, I wouldn't want Justin Herbert to be injured because he has to play another full, a full 15 minute period 
in OT just to win a game and end up winning the game by three points. You know, that, that to me is not enough. I say so far what's leading for me is the college rules. You put the teams on the 25-yard line, the 15, the 10-yard line, and you see if they can score a touchdown. If they can't, we go to two-point conversions and see which team has the best offensive play calls in store to try and win the football game. But to have NFL teams go the length of the field again, no. And if they don't score the first period, then what happens? They do it again for another 15 minutes? No, that's too much. That is too much. So that is my least likeliest to happen. That's my least favorite. All right. Now, this one is interesting because it puts the emphasis on special teams. I know these NFL coaches, not necessarily NFL coaches, but these NFL GMs, sometimes they neglect the position of a kicker. And as we saw last week, kickers matter. This is why you pay your kicker. I've said it four times last week, and each kicker that won their game had an extensive, uh, important part to play in winning, obviously, because they kicked the, the game winning field goal. Uh, Evan McPherson, Robbie Gold, Matt Gay, Harrison Bucker to send the game to OT after missing a kick prior to that. I mean, prior to that, yeah, like those kicks are important. So, this rule is saying kickoff between kickers where they start at the extra point and keep moving back until one of them misses. Now, here is my issue with this. Although, yes, it puts more emphasis on the kickers, it puts more emphasis on doing the job correctly and finding the best kickers available, not just throwing these kickers out on the street uh, once in a while every time they miss, you know, uh, two field goals in one game and finding another one who's a pretty much a journeyman too as well. Um, it shows that special teams matters. You know, a, a, a part of the, the team that doesn't get as much rep, doesn't make as much big players as the fans think they do. And you saw last week, obviously, with that pump block for the San Francisco 49ers and how that pretty much changed the game. It scored the only points of the game, touchdown-wise. Uh, that was a big play for them. If that doesn't happen, they don't win the game for me, despite the Packers pretty much laying an egg that game. But for the kickers, the biggest thing is... At some point when these two kickers, let's say these two kickers, whoever, whatever team they're on right now at the moment, they're kicking, they're kicking, they're kicking, they get to the 50-yard line. Now it comes down to who has the strongest leg. And that, to me, is an advantage that obviously some teams will have over others. I mean, Justin Tucker, um, Evan McPherson, you know what I'm saying, like Chris Boswell, these guys, right have, they have strong legs, very, very strong legs. So once again... It's an advantage that I don't want to happen. I think it should be on an even playing field because, as we know, there are better kickers than others in this league. And for the most part, you could pretty much uh, tell the top five uh, kickers in this league and the ones who are at the bottom are pretty much journeymen, guys who don't get as much stink, I mean, as much reps, as much uh, game time, as much jobs in the NFL. But I thought it was interesting to talk about this. It's nice. Um, I think with a couple of tweaks, maybe, but I don't see this happening either. And it's my second least favorite, but it's definitely better than the last one. I mean, having these teams play out for 15 minutes again, that's too much. But I, it's, it's interesting, really interesting. Now, moving on. Okay, we have placed the ball at the 50-yard line, let two players start at the 25-yard lines, and whoever gets the ball first gets possession. No coin toss. The rest of the rules stay the same. See less. Okay. 
this right here is more emphasis on the coin toss. Now, we keep the same rules, but it just, instead of flipping the coin, we see who which team has the fastest uh, person or have fastest player to get the ball first. It's not really giving too much for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, the coin toss is, it could work, obviously, if we use it with the college rules, and that would be able to have an efficient way of doing the OT rules. But to replace this with the uh, the coin fl- the coin flip or the coin toss and then have the same rules kind of defeats the purpose for me, you know, because obviously they're going to be guys who are faster than others, Tyreek Hill, and, you know, your other guys who um, the John Rosses of the NFL pretty much who have the 4-3 in the combine kind of guys. But I don't see how this is a big impact or it's a big change on how the NFL OT rules uh, will be for the coming uh, seasons because I just it's not it's not doing enough for me it's not changing enough it's really not because there's still going to be ties implemented there's still going to be five minute periods no no I'm not liking this at all so right now as it stands for me I go college rules up top I go kicking actually surprisingly kicking despite it not putting the emphasis on the big players Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes that to me is the more interesting than, than the other two. And then I go putting this, keeping the same OT rules and having these two players running out to see who can get the ball first. And I put the NFL 15 uh, OT, <laughs> 15 uh, minute quarters last. That is terrible for me. Okay. Last but not least, we have the XFL rules, pretty much penalty shootout with each team getting five plays from the five yard line. And that would be electric, according to this guy right here. Basically saying that each team has five plays, whoever scores, and each time you score, it's basically two points. Whoever scores the most out of five points wins, uh, which is not bad. It's not bad at all. And also on top of that, you know, let's say these teams are both tied, then you basically keep on going. I'm not sure if they would implement a, a sudden death rule or you get another five tries. But either way, this right here is better than the likes of any other rules that I've seen so far, aside from the college football rules. This, for me, goes second. Because, once again, the biggest thing it come, that it comes down to is putting the ball in your best player's hands. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, um, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Let them make plays. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Let them make plays. All right? That's the biggest thing. Anytime you're not putting the ball in their hands when it comes to these suggestions, for me, is a big no-no, which is why the kicking thing is not really the biggest, uh, my my most favorite, and, you know, the other two are just not the, it's not doing enough. Like, it's not changing enough for me. And it's actually, one of them is really worse. But for the XFL changes that could possibly be implemented, I love it. I love the idea of having these two teams, you know, five straight plays, go back, you know, go back and forth and see who can get the most points. It's kind of a sense of the defense having to find five best uh, coverages based on what their matchups are on that specific play. Uh, And it, it forces offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators to think more because knowing that, let's say, for example, Jets and Titans, my team scores three points. You know, we score three times, basically. So now we have six points. Titans go. We now know that we cannot be overly aggressive to try and stop this team. Because if we are, 
they will score easily, that we'll get burned for it. Now we'll lose the game. So at that point, it becomes more interesting. I love it. I think that the NFL can go wrong with either of these two. Going to a more college-based system and having that going on and the XFL rules. This is pretty much good. It's a shootout. Shootout, putting the ball in your best player's hands. I love it. So let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section below regarding these uh, NFL rules and the possibility of it changing. I think that these two are the best two, the XFL changes and the college changes. Because once again, your best play against my best play. We'll see who can. And this is where the big boys are separated from the small boys in the NFL. Because we do know that some of these different offensive coordinators are more advanced, more um, they have more savviness in the play calling that can help them in these kind of aspects of the game. And some of these teams, are too, they're too simple. They are too simple. A team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are not great at disguising coverage, who are not great at rushing the football, will get exposed in OT. And they will. When it comes down to them facing a team that is more advanced, who knows how to uh, move around players and have the best situation possible to make some plays and score some touchdowns. But, you know, it comes down to whether or not you can outsmart your opponent. And NFL is all about outsmarting your opponent. Can you do the job that you say you are? And, you know, when you fake left, am I going to now go with you? Or am I going to block you? Whatever the case may be. Like, we going back to a whole receiver and quarterback. Receivers are going to try and shake their, their man and they're going to try and make their man think the other way while they go the, they, they go the other way, pretty much. So NFL is all about thinking. It's all about outspawning your opponent. It's a game of chess, not checkers. Chess. So we'll see how that goes, but I love it. I just love the whole idea of the NFL considering the idea of changing OT rules because I think we're long overdue. Now, let's get into some basketball. Speaking of basketball, oh, my goodness. Here we go. So before I do my NF, uh, NBA score lines and predictions, you know, every, what, 15 games about, I think I've went over it a bit, but every 15 games, I do a top five or the teams who have been playing like a top five team from that 15-game period. And now I'm going to start off from five to one, uh, from top to, uh, from bottom to top. At five, I have the Grizzlies. Yes, I get it. They have been playing some great basketball, which is why they're in the top five. Well, you know, exactly why they're in the top five. Um, the Grizzlies, for me, uh, have just proven me wrong this season. Like, I cannot believe it. I'm going to always say this, and I'm always going to admit when I was wrong, because I definitely predicted that this team would not be in the playoffs <laughs> come this season. And right now, they're contenders. Right now, they're serious contenders. So I give them respect. And I give them the absolute chance to defeat any of these two top teams in the Suns and the Warriors, to be honest. Because John Morant has been playing on an absolute tear and has been playing on an all-star level. We have Jaron Jackson, uh, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Those guys have been playing some great basketball this season. So I get it, which is why I have them as number five for my top five. For number four, I have to go with the 76ers. I'm sorry. I have to. You know, and it was close for me, guys. It really was because I was debating on whether or not they've been playing some better basketball than the Grizzlies. And maybe they haven't. Uh, you can make an argument for both. But the biggest thing for me is Joel Embiid. He is a man amongst boys right now. I mean, this guy is just bullying people, bullying. 
doesn't matter win or loss, he's dropping 40. He's dropping 40, and he has single-handedly risen this team up from where they were before to now being, what, top six or fifth in the East, I believe, at this point. And now, on top of that, no, no, sorry, they're, they're six behind Cleveland. But, no, they're 28-19. Um, they have done a good job. They're only two games, by the way, from first place. So we'll get into that. But they've won two straight so far. And, uh, like, Joel Embiid has been playing on a tear, which is probably the main reason why I put them over the Grizzlies. Because when you talk about MVP, he is the most valuable player for his team, obviously. And he should definitely be in the conversation, despite this team not having the best of records in the East. Uh, it is a tight uh, race for first place, a tight race overall in the standings. But he has been playing some great basketball, seriously, seriously. And I just know that if he were not on this team, this team would probably be uh, at best, at best, six. I said six. I'm, I'm bugging. <laughs> at, at best, ninth, eighth, at best. You know, so Joel Embiid has been playing some great basketball. But moving on, at three, I have the Warriors. Warriors have taken a, a step down for me, um, have not been playing the best basketball, but still, um, they're 6-4 and four in the last 10 games. Um, you do have Klay Thompson coming back, so that should be a big boost. And that is also part of the reason why I gave them this kind of uh, third ranking, because having Klay Thompson back, regardless if he's injured or not, or if he's working his way back from injury or not, he is still a guy that you have to account for on the court. And his shooting ability is something that you can never sleep on never sleep on and having the likes of him back as well as this team still being stout and complete says it all. They're at three for me at two. Give me the Miami heat. Give me the Miami heat. Okay. I was, you know, I was close guys. I was close to putting my team at number one, <laughs> but what can you say? What can you really say? Heat culture. I I'm sorry, but what can you really say? We do this. We really do this a team that has played only 12 games, 12 games with the likes of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and Tyler Hero, Tyler Superhero. 12 games, guys. Seriously. That's not enough. 12 games or 12 minutes. I forgot which one it was, but I think it was 12 games. That's not enough. And for this team to still be first in the East, you guys, you have guys who are stepping up in places that I never thought they would. I mean, seriously, if you heard me, Early on in the season, I was calling for Duncan Robinson's head. I really was. I was calling for Gabe Vincent's head. I was saying that we should start Max Truce. I was saying that Dwayne Demon is a bum, you know? But these guys, I was also saying that I'm not sure what we have in Caleb Martin. But these guys, man, have picked it up as of late. And, you know, with giving given new evidence and giving new play and performance, you change your perspective on things. Now I can say that. I can't really say confidently because he does have some of these games where he just goes missing. But for the most part, Duncan Robinson is back. He's back to what the player that we signed him to be. For the most part, Gabe Vincent has picked up his play, and now he can be a key contributor off the bench. He has also done a great job of filling in for Kyle Lowry when he's been injured. And now when Lowry is back, Vincent can be a key contributor off the bench to give us some scoring. He has a great three-point shot. And... I still stick by this narrative that I believe that Max Strews, who has been on a tear, he has been playing some great basketball for us. Great basketball. Shooting has been lights out. He does more than just shooting. Obviously, dribbles the ball, takes it to the rack. He's not afraid at all. He, he also is 
a better defender than Duncan Robinson, which is why I'm saying that he should start for me over Duncan Robinson. But once again, I'm not the coach. I'm not Eric Spolstra, who does still deserve some props for how he's been able to manage this team and get us first place uh, in a crowded East. And Dwayne Dedman, I still do believe that Omar Yorksevin is a better player than him, but he has still made some good plays and has still played consistently since giving more of a bigger role when Bam Adebayo was out. Now that we have Bam Adebayo back, Jimmy Butler back, Kyle Lowry will be coming back soon. And now I'm also hearing reports that Victor Oladipo is coming back in February. Tyler Harrell is off the, the COVID list. Oh, yeah, y'all better watch out. <laughs> y'all better watch out. And it goes back into the last episode. I just don't get why we are being so disrespected this season. Like, we should be a favorite. We should be a contender. We sh- we we have one of the more complete teams in the NBA. And for what? For people to say that we are a dark horse in the East? A dark horse? Oh, give me a break. Last but not least, the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, 9-1 in the last 10 games. Um, What can you really say about this team? I mean, seriously, this team has so many players that, that were out. Even last night, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Ayton didn't play. Jay Crowder didn't play. And for them to, one, win in these games, two, find guys who fit their system, scoring by committee, and play at, at an effective level says a lot. You know, JaVale McGee has been playing some great basketball, but to have Bismack Biyombo get signed and come off the bench and have some productive minutes is great for me. It really is great. Their only loss was against us. I guess the Miami Heat. <laughs> you know? So, once again, I was I was debating on whether or not to put my team first. But they have a better record than us in the past 10 games. So, I'll give it to them. But they have been playing some great basketball. Seriously. Uh, and I think I was one of the people that said that. I, I didn't say that they weren't going to be a, a top four team. I definitely said that. But I was saying that they had a championship window that was closing. And it still is, in a way. Because now the Warriors are back into relevancy. Now you have the Grizzlies who are breathing down your throats. And for that matter, Utah is always going to be in the conversation. Now the Mavericks play some good defense, so they have a chance to, you know. But And they also can make a big step forward depending on what they do in the trade deadline of February 10th. But right now, the Suns are shutting up some people. They are shutting up the critics right here because they are first in the West. They have the best record in the whole entire NBA at... 37 and nine. And what can you really say? Like, like, what can you really say about this team right now? What can you really say? They're playing some great basketball uh, led by my guy, Chris Paul. And can he do it again? That's the question. Can he do it again? And this time it's much bigger odds. It's bigger States. It's bigger and better competition, but can he do it again? We'll see what happens. And guys, that is my top five. We will get into the next 15 games of top five uh, NBA teams when it happens, uh, God willing. But let's get into some NBA predictions and some score lines and some recaps and all that good stuff. All right. Last night, Lakers and Nets. Lakers defeat the Nets 106-96, led by my guy, obviously LeBron James. LeBron James, 33 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, He has some help from Russell Westbrook shooting-wise, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Not too bad for him. Um, Also, you know, the biggest thing was off the bench, Malik Monk, 22 points. Yeah, my guy, do your thing. That's one guy who's not getting traded this year. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony with 13 points. So good for them. But for the Nets, we all do know that it's pretty much James Harden trying to carry the load. No Kyrie for home games. No Kevin Durant now because he's injured. 
but James Harden, 33 points. He had a, a triple-double of 12 rebounds and 11 assists, 15 from Patty Mills, 12 from uh, DeAndre Bamery. Um, and off the bench, didn't have too much production, but the Marcus Aldridge was the best scorer, nine points. Uh, in the end, Brooklyn falls to 29-18, and I do expect them to now fall below the rankings a little bit now that, you know, no Kevin Durant. You have Kyrie for only half the time now, so we'll see what happens. They have to make most of their bread on the road and to try and win these games, but at home, they may struggle. The Lakers are back at 500, 24-24, and Nuggets, Pistons, 110-105, to victory for the Nuggets behind my guy, uh, 28 points from Nicole Jokic, 21 rebounds. 21 freaking rebounds, guys. He was almost at a triple-double with nine assists. Can you believe that? But the whole team, the whole starters scored in double figures, 20 points from Jeff Green, 16 from Aaron Gordon, 12, and 10 from Morris and Rivers. Didn't need too much from the bench. But if you're wondering, nine points, leading scorer for Zeke Nanji. Okay, Zeke. Okay. DeMarcus Cousins. I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping DeMarcus Cousins take your spot, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> okay. 34 points for my guy, Cage Cunningham. What did I say, guys? What did I say? I mean, I, it's it's not a bold prediction because he is the number one overall pick. But I, I just can't believe Will was arguing with me about whether or not Jalen Green was better than Cade Cunningham. Are you serious, bro? Come on now. Come on. 34 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. My freaking guy. Okay, my freaking guy. Does his thing. 21 points from Sadiq Bey. 14 points from Hamdi Diallo. And 11 and 10 off the bench from my guy Jackson and Trey Lyles. But in the end, Nuggets improved to 25 and 21. Detroit basketball falls to 11 and 36. Raptors and Hornets. Okay, Raptors get the win at home. You have the likes of 32 points from Gary Trent Jr. My guy. 24 points from Ananobi. 24 points from Pascal Siakam. Um, we had 12 points from Chris Boucher. Uh, off the bench, 11 points from my guy, Malachi Flynn. And on top of that for the Hornets, 12 points from Mason Plumlee. 22 points from Miles Bridges. 25 points from LaMelo Ball going up in the rankings here. And only 12 points from Terry Rozier, who didn't have the biggest impact on the night. Uh, but in the end, the Raptors get the win at home. They improved to 23 and 22. And Charlotte falls to 26 and 22. Okay. We have a makeup date from this game. Uh, 76ers and Pelicans. 76ers get the win at home, 117 to 107. And once again, Joel Embiid, 42 points, 40 piece. Here we go. Tobias Harris. Great job from him. 33 points, 11 rebounds for him. Joel B also did have 14 rebounds, by the way. 10, re uh, 10 points, sorry, from Tyrese Maxey. And once again, Joel B carrying the load. But at least this time he had help uh, from Tobias Harris. 31 points from Nikhil Alexander. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, 29 points from Willie Hernan Gomez. And basically 15 points off the bench from Jackson Hayes. But... Uh, 76ers get the win at home. 28 and 19, they improved to, and the Hornets fall to 18 and 29. Okay, Clippers and Wizards down by 35 points. Luke Kennard, seven points in the final nine seconds. Oh my gosh, he called game. He called game. I cannot believe it. Wizards, how the hell do you blow a big lead like that? How the heck? Do you blow a lead like that? That is insanely terrible. It really is. So, 
we're going to start with the winning team here because you guys did not win. And my prediction of you guys finishing in the top five has looked pretty bad since your recent run of fixtures. I mean, to have a team that has been um, freaking four and six in the last 10 games, not too bad, but they were worse. And they're on a four-game losing streak. Terrible. All right. 29 points from Amir Coffey. 16 from Ter- Ta- Terrence Mann. I better say Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. 25 off the bench from Luke Kennard. Wow. 16 points from Hartenston. But for the Wizards, I guess if you're counting, because this team blew an absolute big lead. 23 points from Bradley Bill. Um, 19 points from Kyle Kuzma. 12 points from Daniel Gafford. 12 points from Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And we had 11 apiece from Denny Avija and uh, Thomas Bryant. But I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how. And also, if you're counting... Uh, 12 points from Montrez Harrell, eight rebounds. But how the hell do you blow a big lead like that? I mean, damn. Kings and Celtics. Kings get a blowout loss on the road to the Celtics, 75 to 128. Oh, my goodness. We had 30 points from Jalen Brown, 36 points from Jason Tatum. We had a double-double from my guy, Robert Williams, 17 boards for 13 points. Pretty good. And off the bench, 14 points from my guy, Jay Rich. Yes, sir, Jay Rich. Do your thing. And for the Kings, jeez, I mean, jeez, these guys were struggling. They shot 30% from the field. Damn, I don't even want to read you guys the, the scores because it's terrible. Nobody scored over, uh, nobody scored uh, over uh, nine points. So we have seven points from, from Terrence. Uh, so we have seven points from my guy, Davis. Oh, gosh, I'm not even sure why I want to read this. Okay, seven points from Davis, seven points from Halliburton, nine points from Rashawn Holmes, uh, four and six from Barnes and Bagley. Off the bench, leading scorer was Buddy Heald. But in the end, that's how they lose. Get blowout. Spurs and Rockets. Spurs get the blowout win on the road, uh, 134 to 104. We had 18 points from Jacoperto, 16 from Keldon Johnson, 15 from McDermott, 19 from Deontay Murray, 14 off the bench from uh, my guy, Tyus, uh, Trey Jones, not Tyus Jones, Trey Jones, and 12 points off the bench from Devin Vassell. But in the end, for the Rockets, 14 and 15 from Deshaun Tate and Christian Wood, 7 points from Eric Gordon, didn't play the best night, 16 from Kevin Porter Jr., and off the bench, 14 from Segun. Yeah, you don't forget about my guy, Segun. He has been making some plays here and there. And 13 apiece from uh, Christopher and Kenyon Martin. So in the end, the Rockets... Lose at home to the Spurs. Mavericks and Warriors. Warriors get the blowout win at home, 130 to 92. It was terrible. And the biggest highlight of the night was obviously Jonathan Kaminga's big dunk. But if you're wondering, 18 points from uh, Steph Curry, 15 from Klay Thompson. There you go, Klay Thompson. Six of 12 shooting. Not bad at all. 14 points from Andrew Wiggins. Not Aaron Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. 12 points from Otto Porter Jr. But 22 points off the bench from my guy, Jonathan Kaminga. Yes, sir. 17 off the bench from Jordan Poole. Yes, sir. Okay, for the Mavericks. 25 for Luka. Didn't have too much help from the night. Uh, 11 points from Jalen Brunson, but 8-8 apiece from Finney Smith and Max Kleber. 9 points from uh, Porzingis, who had a terrible night shooting. 10 points off the bench from uh, Hardaway. But the Warriors get the win at home. Finally, last game of the night, Tims and Trailblazers. Tims get the win. Two-point win on the road. Anthony Edwards, who said in his post game he feels like Black Jesus. I'm not sure what that means, but I guess he means he had a good night. 40 points. 40 freaking points from Anthony Edwards, nine rebounds. 22 points from D'Angelo Russell, 17 
uh, from my guy, Carl Anthony Towns, 13 from my guy, Vanderbilt. But for the Trailblazers, we had 25, I'm sorry, 20 points apiece from Nasir Litter and Yusef Nurkic, 15 from CJ McCollum, 17 from Alfred e. Simmons, Simons, I keep on saying Simmons, Simons. And that is what happened. But in the end, they got narrowed out by the Tams on the road. And now for our predictions for tonight. Knicks and Heat, ESPN. Let's go. Give me the Heat. Bucks and Cavaliers. Hmm. Give me the Cavs. You know, the Cavs have been a really good home team this year. Give me the Cavs. Hornets and Pacers. Give me the Hornets. Clippers and Magic. Give me the Clips. Kings and Hawks. Give me the Hawks. Nuggets and Nets. Give me the Nuggets. Raptors and Bulls. Hmm. Give me the Raps. Grizz and Spurs. Give me the Grizz. Suns and Jazz. This time the Jazz are home. Hmm. Give me the Suns. Give me the Suns again. Yeah, give me the Suns. Jazz are kind of hit, hit with some injuries and COVID, all that uh, terrible stuff. So give me this to the Suns. Last game, Mavs and Trailblazers. Give me the freaking Mavs. And there you guys have it. Now, make sure to check in to see if I was right with my predictions. I usually am right, but that's just me. <laughs> Even when I'm wrong, I'm just joking. But guys, what a great, fantastic episode. Hopefully, we can do this again for Friday. And everyone, keep on grinding. Keep on being safe, hopefully. And keep on doing your thing. Yes, sir. And we are out. Everyone, peace.